A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the force. That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 108 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your ticket to the EU. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes, Zoom, as well as Stitcher, and right on our own Facebook page at SW Beyond Films. Hey, but enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, Mark Erlman. And with me, like the charm that oozes from Lando Calrissian in Waves, the EU guru himself, the Count of Continuity, Mr. Nathan P. Butler. Hey, everybody. Okay, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Given the way you always try to come up with something for each episode, uh, that was far nicer than I might have expected given the topic this time. I expected to somehow be compared to like Jabba the Hutt leering and licking Leia or something sick like that. So I'll I'll take the Lando charisma stuff there. You like that one. Also joining us this week, we have the hosts of Fangirls Going Rogue and many more podcasts out there. Trisha Barr and Teresa Delgado. Hi, thank you for having us. It's that always was good to have you, ladies. I'm on. Teresa. <laughs> yeah, now that we've established that. Now, ladies, real quick, you know, give us a quick rundown of Fangirls Going Rogue and what you guys have been doing lately. Go for it, Trisha. We just put up our uh, third episode this this week with uh, Mark Newbold from Jedi News on with us. And um, we're just, it's a monthly show. So once a month, we'll come on and try to talk about uh, things from a little bit more of a fangirl persuasion. A lot of people want to hear us talk about uh, what they can do with their kids as fans and just other things in general. So we're, we're, we're trying to take it on a different spin and also promote women in the business and how you can get in the business. So we ask a lot of questions about um what people do, how they got their jobs, and how they keep their jobs, and stuff like that. Awesome. Well, so we definitely brought on the uh, right two co-hosts for this episode. Well, we tried. Well, here at Star Wars Beyond the Films, we ask the tough questions. Questions that have bothered you for a long time, or simple ones that perplexed you off and on. You ponder about Star Wars, and so do we. This episode, we ponder the etiquette and protocol of fandom social interactions, mainly focusing on conventions and celebrations and the types of environments one might expect when one comes face-to-face with our fandom. Now consider this your final warning, Beyonders and Sentients of All Ages. Strap in, because here we go on another adventure, Beyond the Films. Now, before we get uh, too deep into this, there was a uh, little story circle on the internet about the end of last year about Brian Wood and some very serious accusations that were made. Uh, Wood himself, he even responded to some of them. Well, we could probably go on for quite a while about this Wood controversy itself. The situation got us to start pondering about the etiquette and protocol of fan conversations, conventions, celebrations, and all the like. Nathan, you want to give us a quick rundown of what the uh, Wood controversy was? Yeah, it's sort of kind of in a nutshell here, and this is actually what prompted us to discuss the issue on this show at all. I mean, it's it's something that's sort of a broader 
fandom and sci-fi genre type of topic, but certainly something that uh, that does tie into someone who in and of himself has been somewhat controversial in the Star Wars realm, although uh, for much more mundane reasons of continuity and such. Um, the idea is that there had been some ongoing discussion uh, about, you know, sexism and that sort of thing. And at one point, um, Brian Wood, kind of in a completely separate set of comments, had talked about basically how uh, any time or oftentimes when someone meets a celebrity at, like Brian Wood and then comes out saying, you know, he's a, you name it, anything that's negative, there's that sense that, well, it's not so much that it's the creator being that kind of person or a jerk or a whatever, so much as, well, it's just unmet expectations. You know, meeting that uh, that that person that your fandom has been centered around for so long and finding that they're not quite what you expect them to be, well, that's kind of the phantom menace effect going on right there, the unrealistic expectations. <laughs> uh, and someone along the way had made the comment, or a couple of people had made the comment, including eventually Tess Fowler, essentially saying um, that Brian Wood isn't someone who can just say that. He really is a jerk. They don't use the word jerk. They use a D word as part of the male anatomy, but this is a family show, presumably. Um, and it got the ball rolling on this whole idea of, well, why would you say that? And slowly but surely, as Tess Fowler starts talking about her experiences with Brian Wood, other women apparently start messaging her in waves, talking about experiences that they've had with him or with other men in the comic industry that is similar. The gist of what she says their encounter essentially was, was that at a convention uh, several years ago, we're talking about probably about eight, nine years ago or so, uh, uh, she encountered Wood after having already been kind of getting into the comics industry herself or trying to get further into it, um, being someone who conversed with him on MySpace, which I guess gives you a sense of the time of when that must have taken place. Uh, but upon meeting him in person, uh, he seemed to have feigned an interest somewhat in uh, her art, and it was essentially him more trying to make a come on to her, trying to uh, pester her repeatedly, trying to get her to come up to his room at the convention and so forth, uh, trying to hook up and that sort of thing. And then when she declined uh, and eventually didn't wind up showing up as he kind of ends the night saying something along the lines of, well, here's my room number <laughs> and heading up to the room, um, she then gets essentially blasted by him. Uh, in terms of her art, in terms of her talent, in terms of her cosplay, uh, costume, costuming kind of stuff, um, essentially seeming to be somewhat retribution, public snarkiness about her not taking him up, as, as if she had somehow stood him up when he comes up and says, says, hey, baby, here's the place and time, essentially. Um, her response to it, what, uh, to it was sort of to, to put that information out there to sort of be the advocate for the women who had felt themselves in that position, whether in comics, sci-fi, with Wood, with others. And eventually he did put out essentially a statement of his own saying that, you know, he did make a pass at her. It wasn't uh, uh, the best of decisions, but um, she, in a sense, was overreacting to the situation and that um, she perhaps was, was ascribing motives to him that weren't necessarily the case, that he sort of made a bad call, but it was blown out of proportion. Uh, but what it did was it opened up this broader conversation about, in terms of the comics industry, how in a lot of ways it is still assumed to be uh, sort of a men's field, and when women enter, a lot of times there's sort of the stereotype of, uh, well, the man is in it because he's just a comic writer, but if she's a woman who's in it, she's a female comic writer. you got to emphasize the female part, like it's sort of a, a separate subspecies uh, that has certain 
stereotypes that get carried along with it. Uh, and that, of course, expanded a little bit more into the broader concept of just women in sci-fi fandom anyway, where there have been a lot of leaps and bounds kinds of strides in probably the last five years or so uh, in terms of not only just geek culture becoming something that's more accepted, but also women within geek culture being more recognized as actual geeks as opposed to women somehow faking it, which seemed to have been the way the stereotypes worked, you know, a little bit before now. Uh, but in doing so, that you know, that, that sort of moved everything away from Wood himself and made it into something that we felt uh, probably deserved some measure of discussion, whether we're talking about conventions, uh, cosplay, uh, the sci-fi industry, or what have you here. So that's pretty much the, the rundown of this. You can find all kinds of information out there. Comics Alliance did a great article on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but suffice to say, we don't want to focus so much on the Wood thing as just, in general, this atmosphere within this particular type of fandom for women. Yeah. And that's, you know, when I got done reading it, I came away with this, this, I don't know, disgusted feel like, you know, all his fanboys are just a bunch of pervy, (laughs) horny creeps, just, you know, looking for the quick score. And, you know, I've got two kids that are daughters and I've got a son and, and I'm, you know, taking them to celebration and it kind of like, you know, made me kind of stop for a moment and go, you know, do I really want to be exposing them to this? Is this really the culture I want to do? I mean, I only interact with fandom through the internet side, and I can always walk away from the computer. But, you know, once you're there at the conventions, at the celebrations and stuff, it's a whole different world. I've never been to any. That's part of why we brought you ladies on. But, you know, from your experience, what have you guys seen from conventions and celebrations? Well, I this is Trisha. I um, there's There's actually two facets to this that you have to really focus on. And one is that um, conventions are there for, for professionals to get work. And when you're there as a professional, you need to remember that you're there doing a job and other people bringing their art in or their work in to try to get jobs. Um, that's what the conventions originally were for and what they do. I go to professional conventions for engineering and I go to cons for um, for you know, being a fan. And so fans now come into these professional conventions also. So there's a double interaction, like engineering convention, mm-hmm. I won't have a fan, but we have to consider that Brian Woods was there and any other person, you know, people that are at a convention as professionals representing um, and even representing their, their product to fans have to operate in under a different set of rules in that people, they know they're there, people respect them, and people are looking for work. So I have been harassed at an engineering convention. I wrote, I wrote about this topic um, when, when it happened, and it's very damaging to the psyche. Um, it, it leaves you with lo- a lot of lack of confidence. And when, later on, when I w- was going to start going to fan conventions, I was I was nervous about that kind of interaction. And I was also trying to build my own reputation as a professional geek. And, um, you know, I had opportunities where I got, you know, a phone call to go to dinner with a couple of prominent um, Star Wars VIPs. And my first reaction was to be like, <gasps> you know, to be scared and uh, that some, you know, that there was bad intentions. And I don't like that. I have to even feel that way. And when I went to the dinner, that wasn't what it was. It ended up being this great networking thing. It was just mm-hmm. me interacting with other professionals. And that's the way it should be. You shouldn't go and be worried that the intention is going to be wrong. So, um, you know, but with that said, I don't find that 
at the fan conventions. I know of many cases. I've I've seen many cases that on around the web and followed up on them. And as a matter of fact, on the Brian Woods instance, there was if you go to Becca Toria's live journal, um, and I, I'll relink to it when you know you post the podcast. She does a complete rundown on all the coverage and all the statements, everything that happened, the things that came out afterwards of, you know, there was another case of Brian Woods doing retribution against a comic um, company employee who ended up losing her job. So there's more that goes on um, from beyond what the initial, you know, flurry, and it isn't really covered. And what the point of a lot of female fans was is a lot of sites just really blushed it over. And that is the problem is what can people do to at least acknowledge it and um, one of the most important things, I think, is to ask your conventions that you're going to, do you have a harassment policy? And then and read the policy and understand how you can help as a fan if you see it happen. Oh. You know, I never even thought about the fact that they would have a policy in, in place in that regard. But that does make sense. As for Woods, you know, that, that story being kind of swept over, you know, I when it first came out, I kind of had that feeling like, oh, he's in deep, you know, like... Dark Horse really doesn't need any kind of bad publicity like this with Disney, a very family-oriented company. Like, you know, it was kind of like, ooh, is this enough to get them to lose the license? And then, oh, hey, wait, they lost the license. But that's not actually tied together. But there's a moment there from the business side of things where you're just like, um, you do not want that bad publicity. And I, I could see kind of in a, in a light why they would sweep that under the carpet. Like, let's not raise this to the attention of too many people here. We want to keep Star Wars positive. But I don't know, there's the devil's advocate side of things, which, which as you pointed out, that the business side of things, you wouldn't really want to be going there to look for someone. But, you know, if you got like, say, a self-proclaimed proclaimed geeky guy and he sees a fangirl, someone that's into the same stuff that he's into, she's just, you know, beautiful to him. And, you know, he's never ran into anyone that he thought he may ever connect with. How would a guy go about going up to a girl and, you know all intents and purposes asking her on a date without being a creep or is it as a fan guy in that position just doomed like dude you're never going to find a girl that cool <laughs> well most no. of them, yeah they've run dating they, they're in dating games at at conventions now so it's not like oh really there's yeah and they're usually sell out <laughs> right you <know>, they're, <laughs> they're one of the most popular things so but you know i'll let Teresa comment on like just meeting a fellow fan and going from there um, yeah, well, first of all, I wanted to say kind of on your first question mark, I'm fortunate enough that with every convention I've been to, I've had a lot of respect from the male community and not to say I haven't gotten hit on, but I haven't gotten hit on any other way that I haven't been hit on before in normal life. So, you know, there, I haven't, I mean, I've obviously heard of situations that have occurred or whatever, but nothing has actually happened to me. Um, now, as far as, you know, if you wanted to go to a convention, you know, and find somebody that you're interested in, um, that likes the same things that you do, I don't think that that's a horrible thing. Um, there was a point before I met my husband that I honestly thought the only place that I would find somebody that was interested in geek stuff like me was going to be if I went to conventions. So it's kind of the flip side, you know, I kind of had my eyes open, um, now, if a guy wanted to hit on a girl, I mean, it's basic social skills. You know, you don't go up to him with, you know, heavy breathing, nerdy, you know, weirdness. 
You know, you start a conversation like normal, you know, like any other normal person that you would meet on the street or would see at a coffee shop or whatever. I think there are different classifications, you know, of people that go to conventions. I think there's people, for instance, like Nathan or like you or Aaron or Riley or any of the other guys that I know that have good social skills, you know, and that they know how to interact with people and they were brought up you know, actually interacting with people and not just sitting isolated in a room by themselves, which I think a lot of people think is how all comic book or geek guys are. And that's absolutely not true. Um, You know, and then there's the people that have so many interests that they know how to talk to people. And those people, they don't have a problem. And you probably won't, you know, encounter too much weirdness. I think, you know, I think the unfortunate thing about the Brian Wood situation is that he is one of those guys that has social skills and that kind of stuff. And there's always going to be people out there that have everything that they need to succeed in business or to, you know, be, um, be prominent in their professional field and all that kind of stuff. But then sometimes they just make bad calls or they just really are that kind of person deep down somewhere, um, which just has, you know, just makes everybody look bad. But it's the same as girls that pretend to be geeky and go to conventions cosplaying just to walk around because, and I've heard this, you know, from girls that have said, you know, well, I could go to one of those things and I could walk around in an outfit and stuff and have everybody look and stare at me. Well, that just makes me look bad, you know? So, I mean, it's the, it's not just something that happens, you know, by guys, there are girls out there that are predatory and that will do things just to be jerks. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, I mean, the whole concept here, I mean, it, there's, it, it's that whole fine line issue. And this is something you see in any kind of field. You know, we run into it uh, in any of the special sensitivity training that you tend to get with uh, uh, being an educator and that sort of thing where you have to look at what students are doing. But there's a line between, as she said, sort of the socially acceptable thing to do, having social skills and sexual harassment or going further sexual assault um uh, yes a lot of guys who go to these conventions uh th- there's that that awkwardness not everybody that's the stereotype but there's enough um that the stereotype at least has some measure of basis to have gotten going in the first place um but there's a difference between say going up and hitting on someone in the sense of asking them out rather than pestering 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 or always being around and constantly sort of being in the orbit of that person no matter what, even if you're not really talking to them. <laughs> it's sort of that level of, of creepiness that happens in this sort of overblown thing where it's it's almost a fixation that it seems like some of these guys wind up getting. Um, but going to a convention like this, I think a lot of guys walk in, um, when they go to a convention like this, there's that amped up excitement and there's Gee, look, there's women who are into some of the same stuff I am, and that's insane because, again, for the longest time, that wasn't considered the most socially acceptable thing. So all of a sudden, it's like it's and they're surrounded by the types of people they would want to be around anyway, not just in terms of women, but just in terms of guys with similar interests. We've heard from a lot of listeners who don't have people around them who share their fandom. So it's through podcasts and it's through conventions and message boards and stuff that they meet people of like interest. And that just sort of amps up the adrenaline level, amps up the excitement level, which might cause them to go overboard and act like idiots when it comes to someone of the other gender. But at the same time, 
uh, as, as Teresa was saying about the whole cosplay thing, um, I mean, I, I don't want to, to play into sort of the, the, uh, uh, blame the victim type of mentality here, but, um, if you are a woman who goes to a convention doing cosplay, at this point, even if it's not justified, even if it's not something that should be the case, there should be that wariness that you're gonna run into some people who are like that. Whether it's going in cosplay, if it's going to a club wearing something slinky, if you're going ooh, ooh, dressed ooh, up, ooh. dressed up to oh. make your yes. No, just I just what well, doesn't there's you know cosplay does not equal consent. And no, that's I, not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you have to if if I'm going to or take my wife. If my wife is going to go to somewhere. And she's going to make herself dressed up especially sexy, and she's going with the with the intent of having an impact on those around her and empowering. That's fine, and that's all well and good. But even if that doesn't invite um, harassment and doesn't invite assault, it should never invite either of those. But it, there should be at least some level of understanding that if this kind of stuff goes on at a convention, then you have to be extra on your guard. Is what I'm saying. You. Um, if I'm, if someone's going to cosplay in the Slave Leia thing, they're not going to cosplay as Slave Leia because they, that happens to be just their in general wanting to cosplay. There's, there's a, something that goes along with choosing that particular costume. Um, uh, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I, I, I would wear it because I think that's <clears throat> Leia's most powerful moment, but, uh, you know, See, not because I'm I want a, people to look at me. <laughs> I'm the same way. And like, I would wear an X-Wing costume and like, um, Trish, I'm going to use our new phrase, Jaina soloing it. Just because I like the look of that better and I would feel more comfortable that way than wearing a giant jumpsuit that's super duper baggy, you know, that I would get hot in, you know. Um, I've cosplayed as Padme from Geonosis, not at Disney, nonetheless, not because I wanted people to look at me, but because I love Padme in that moment, in that scene, and there are reasons for it. Now, I understand what Nathan's saying that, you know, if you're going to wear something that is sexy or whatever that you should have your guard up and I definitely would but that does not mean that I shouldn't be able to dress that way you know and it be okay for some guy to come and hit on me more you know worst case scenario you know try and touch me or whatever because I'm wearing it or and I feel like that's what guys make an excuse and say well you're wearing that so why can't I well I'm not a stripper yeah. all right well, you know, and there, should, there shouldn't be the assumption either that a girl is wearing slate the slave Leia costume, or to get people to look at her. I actually stood at the five hundred first party with three young ladies in slave Leia costumes, talking about philosophical differences in Star Wars with two male Star Wars writers um, at the last celebration, and they were they explained all three of them at that moment because I'm like, this is kind of surreal and. Um, you know, they wear that costume because it makes them feel powerful, not because they want people to look at them. And I, there's always that assumption. There are girls who put on the costume because they want people to look at them and know nothing about really what the, what it is. But it shouldn't be assumed that there are plenty and plenty and plenty and plenty of women who don't. As a matter of fact, the young, the woman who was in the costume wrote a post on my blog about, her wearing costume and how people should treat her. I'll give you that link too. And it's, nice. it gets about uh, her Abby Darkstar. She's a very prominent cosplayer. Um, but that, that 
issue among the cosplay community and how people think they're why they're wearing outfits and whatnot and why they are actually doing it. Um, it, that that post got like ten thousand hits in a week from nice. the cosplay community, so it's a big deal for them to people not assume that just because you put on something that maybe shows some skin that that's what you are what, taking out of the costume. What sometimes there, people are taking, you know, Tomb Raider. If you want to be, you know, that kind of look, you don't really have a choice to wear a costume. If you want to be her and be empowered, that's one of the coolest characters out there for a lot of women. You don't really have a choice. I mean, I guess you could make a more covered up version and, and people wouldn't recognize it. And the people are used to playing the game and look it looking that way. So um, I guess what I'm saying, it's, it's not that, that there's uh, one, that's one reason, not the only reason, but one mm-hmm. of the reasons why a woman might might wear those particular costumes. But I'm not even I'm not saying that there is a, a a need to blame the victim here. Like I said, that's not something that ever excuses harassment, never excuses sexual assault. It's not something that should excuse the kind of behaviors that happen. However, if this is the environment as it exists, then there should be a an understanding of it, a, an awareness of it. And a woman's going to need to be more on her guard. A woman at a convention like this needs to be more on her guard, unfortunately, than most places anyway. Um, but it definitely, depending on the costuming, um, if it is something that is likely to draw attention, there needs to be some measure of protection. Uh, and these conventions notoriously uh, do a horrible job of protecting the people who are there as guests. They essentially, is, you know, the security is there in case somebody steals something. But when it comes to actual accusations of harassment, of sexual assault and such, I mean, it seems as though a lot of times the security personnel don't often know how to deal with that or how to address that, which a lot of times leaves the woman to become a target um, where she needs to have either be able to take care of herself. I'm fortunate my wife's a former Golden Gloves boxer. She can knock out pretty much anybody. Um, but, but there has to be sort of a measure of making sure that the woman is protected. And that's it's an unfortunate thing, but that sort of brings up what Mark was trying to get at with this whole idea of things about, you know, should he take his, his uh, children to con, uh, to a, uh, the celebration. celebration yeah. Um, what I've found is it kind of depends on which conventions you go to. And I'm curious if this is sort of the, the pattern that you see in other parts of the country, because I'm in the area where I'm in Georgia. So the conventions around this area tend to be either Atlanta going south into Florida, going up into, say, North Carolina. Um, but what I often see around here is the conventions have different tacks that they take. Um, Con Carolinas, for instance, which is a place I started going in 2004. I've gone all but probably two, three years since then. I pretty much said no to it for now, um, just for various financial reasons and the fact that it's now under new management and all. But that was a con that specifically set itself up as a family-friendly convention. So in that case, you had limits on the type of adult costuming that could be done of any kind, uh, until a certain time of night. If oh. there were going to be more adult topics being discussed in panels, those panels could not be done until a certain time of night. Uh, and the idea was it was sort of like the after hours once you get to about 10 or 11 p.m. But before that, things need to be family friendly. The costumes in the costume contest, contest need to be family friendly, et cetera, et cetera. And I noticed that at that convention, you would still have sort of the guys going, ooh, from time to time. Uh, guy I know that goes to the convention at one point saw the so-called chainmail chick, as she calls herself, uh, in the hallway and dropped to his knees and proposed quickly. <laughs> um, but this is that's just kind of him, and she knows him. Um, but then at the same time, I'm in the area where DragonCon takes place. And 
having gone a couple of years, I was disgusted enough that I just stopped. And I wasn't even paying to get in. They were paying my way to come in and be a panelist for, you know, a day or so. And I finally just said, screw it, because the, the DragonCon atmosphere is completely different. Um, the family friendliness is pretty much gone. It's gigantic, which may make the family friendliness difficult to have, you know, just when you have that many people at a convention. Um, but even if you were to take away, say, the costuming contest and uh, take away the people walking around on the convention floor, there's a lot of people that I know who go to DragonCon and they go simply because it is known as the drinking and random sex convention of all conventions in this region. Um, they go to see a couple of panels, but they're basically paying their way in to find people who they find are hot, get their attention, and go to you know a pirate party or whatever in the after hours with hopes of possibly hooking up, with the idea, of course, being that, well, this is a convention. It's like just about anything else. It's a big event where people come in from out of state. You can sort of have these anonymous hookups or hookups with people you will probably never see again, and that's okay. Now, for me, that's not something I would ever want to get into, but... It's a completely different atmosphere. I'm assuming that celebration is more of the former than the latter. Um, yeah. But have you noticed that that there are sort of different styles in terms of age appropriateness of conventions? Are there ones that stand out as the ones that are the most uh, uh, difficult for those who are trying to avoid that type of thing? And how does celebration stack up against those? Geek Girl Con does the same thing. They talk about adult things and they do some adult cosplay, but it all has to, it's all in the evenings and they are very family friendly. So it's set up knowing that, you know, some, you know, geeky culture can have, you know, be a little bit adult at times, but they, you know, put it at the end of the end of the day. Um, and uh, celebration, I think, is very, is always family friendly um obviously you know they have the date they have the dating um game there where you can do the speed dating or whatever um but they have jedi training academy they have the shoot a trooper stuff that the 501st does that the kids can run around and be stormtroopers and they have panels for kids and panels adults and the panels are you know they're uh family friendly you can't say any you know anything there that you know would be um you know, keep it clean, essentially. And so I would say I would f feel very comfortable taking um, like I've I've tried to get my nieces and nephews to come. So um, it, that's something I think it's a very family friendly setting for people as and as a matter of fact, I was at Geek Girl Con. I remember talking to a um, someone who goes to a lot of conventions as a professional and she said, about Dragon Con, when she goes, she goes and shuts her door at seven o'clock at night and does not come out. And you know, she goes because she has to work there. But at seven, she gets her takeout and shuts her door and doesn't come out until the morning when she has to go to the next panel or whatever. Yeah, and for me, um, I've noticed that there can be you know different cultures at different conventions depending on the size or um, location. Those kind of things. Um, I haven't actually been to Celebration, so this will be my first one coming up in Anaheim, and I'm super excited. Mm -hmm. But I have been, I have been to other shows, and um, you know, there's definitely family friendly atmospheres at some, and there's non as friendly atmospheres at others. Um, so it really just depends on what you're comfortable with. I think something else that goes into it is, you know, how confident you are as a person and how self-aware you are as a person and how um 
like how you were raised because I'm pretty much the type of person that if any guy tried to make a pass at me in a way that I didn't agree with, he would get punched in the face. And I'm not afraid to do that because yeah. I grew up with brothers or one brother and all of his friends who used to stuff me into trash cans and dryers and things like that. So you become very scrappy. That's what my mom and my family call me. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things. Now, would I do that, you know, if somebody was just talking to me and happened to hit on me? No. But if somebody tried to grab me, we'd have a serious problem. Um, you know, so it's just one of those things. I mean, every woman is different. Every woman takes things differently. Um, you know, and I've been in a lot of situations being I worked in athletics my whole life. Um, I worked in athletics for 14 years. And, um, you know, I was around athletic jock guys and you know you depending on what your experiences are you learn how to deal with certain things you learn how to you know you know tell a guy no in a nice way you know to where you don't make things all weird you know it's just stuff you learn now like I said every woman is different and some women don't have those skills or you know have never been approached like that before and so you know you would hope that the convention would be able to help them out, um, especially now that Star Wars is a part of Disney. But I have some specific examples, even regarding Disney, where Disney has disregarded sexual harassment claims, sexual assault claims, um, and tried to sweep them under the rug. And unfortunately, that's happened to a couple of my friends, um, and then some people that I've that I just happen to know through the internet. So, you know, even though it's a family friendly company. Um, no matter how good Star Wars is or how good Disney is or anybody, it it just happens, you know, and the question becomes, how do you correct it? How do you... Lost you there, Teresa. I don't know if uh, Nathan lost us too. Yeah, I lost there. Well, you know, she brought up something that, that I just want to chime in on real quick, though. I mean, I can get in an aspect why Disney would kind of want to sweep some things under the rug, like... You know, they're they're providing that family friendly environment and the last thing you want to do is is make parents of young girls kind of worried that, you know, you're gonna take them into a sexual predator den. I mean, you know, what Nathan was talking about earlier and and Trisha was touching on too about, you know, the cosplay aspect. Like my my young my eldest is uh, eleven and she likes to, you know, wear little tiny bikinis and things like that. And we're always like, you know, you got too much skin showing and I don't think I would let her go out as as slave Leia anytime soon. Like I don't know. Like that's one that I would think. Like when when you have a lot of skin showing and you're going to like a convention, like say say Dragon Con or something like that, or more conventions in a celebration, it seems like the more skin you have, there should be an expectation that people are going to look at you. Not that they should be hitting on you inappropriately, but that you're going to be drawing more attention to yourself by showing the skin. At least that's what I'm always telling my young my daughters is that you know when it's okay to wear those bathing suits, but you got to be aware that by wearing this bathing suit, you're going to be drawing more attention to you. And that may be uncomfortable and it may put you in situations that are uncomfortable and or dangerous. And you need to be aware of that. And and that awareness is what's going to keep you safe and keep you, you know, paying attention to when you need to get the hell out of there. Well, there's also though, that there's the angle of, I mean, we're, we're tr- use the terms like sexual harassment, sexual assault, and that sort of thing that, um, and we may have some listeners who are thinking, thinking, oh, well, women are just overreacting. Guys just look at hot women. That's just what guys do kind of thing. Um, we're not just talking about attention, okay? Uh, when you're, when a woman is walking around dressed 
scantily, hot, whatever. Of course, knowing guys, when a woman's walking around in Jawa costume, guys are tending to look. Um, that's a tension. That in and of itself may be uncomfortable, but that in and of itself is not uh, a dangerous uh, type of situation. Um, and there's hitting on, talking on, that sort of thing. And uh, as Teresa was saying, you, know, you need to be able to, as she said, say no, but also as a guy be able to accept no and simply move on. But but that in and of itself, that's the kind of situation you would find anywhere. When it gets bad, and, and the impetus for the conversation here is that it, when it crosses the line into actual sexual harassment, um, actual sexual assault, um, which it makes it kind of makes me wonder if what we're dealing with is um, that the places that handle that, whether we're talking about the conventions, whether we're talking about the comic industry, as far as like you know, Dark Horse, Marvel, whatever, when it comes to their writers, their artists, and how they behave and that sort of thing. Um, whether it's simply a matter of that line being so sometimes arbitrary, um, uh, or at least a blurred line that these companies, for fear of getting sued over wrongful termination or anything like that, um, that they just kind of turn a blind eye to it because they don't know how to define it, so they don't know how to deal with it. Um, like if 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 someone who's running, say, I mean, say your Dark Horse Comics. Uh, or whoever Brian Wood was working with at the time, if he's accused of something like that, I mean, you can have a policy within your contract, uh, uh, you know, a morals clause or a, uh, a clause about, you know, you can't be charged with or found guilty of uh, certain types of crimes, misdemeanors, whatever. Um, but it's sort of one of those things where it, it seems like it's such a nebulous set of definitions that until you actually get to sexual assault, Harassment itself is almost something that's that's like a live wire. They don't want to touch it, not because they don't want to do anything about it, although some might. Um, so much as just it, 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 they're so wary of this litigious culture that we have that they're more willing to let someone be victimized than to risk their own financial standing by finding themselves on the, on the other end of a lawsuit, which seems insane, and yet at the same time, it's almost like a catch-22 for them. They'll get sued by one side or the other um, for either not doing something or stepping up. It's, it's. It, can I, I don't know, can what, what's I, wrong offer, with the industry? I'll offer a little bit of a different perspective. Um, you know, there's rarely women on panels at comic book conventions or sci-fi conventions. And it's been for a long time. And there's a long history of women documenting when they as professionals, when they sit on the panels, that they've been harassed by their male counterparts on the panels, during the panels. And, um, you know, there's been a longstanding, you know, a little bit of atmosphere of the boys club in the sci-fi industry. And also writers and get a little bit of a pass and that they're allowed to be a little bit, um, how would I say, eccentric or they can express Risque. their own views express their own views um and and you know they're they're artists right they can be what they want to be um at the same time if you're an artist and you're working for a company as you talk about this litigious society you are becoming you are representative of the company and that's where and you know brian wood got flown to conventions he gets paid to be there so he's being paid to be there to work right to sell his product so at that point, he becomes part of the company. So they, the companies need to be more clear on what, and they still, still to this day, I'm seeing authors out there writing stuff that probably 
that, you know, they're in this little community they shouldn't be saying or doing because it reflects back on their company and the product at the end. But the storytellers feel like they sort of have a free pass on this. Um, so it's a little bit of the culture where they're just like, well, they're just being authors or they're just being comic book creators. That's the way they are. And um, that's how I see it as a woman who's been, you know, in the fandom and watched how these things have progressed. And I think there's a little bit of a blind eye and, you know, we'll just pat them on that. They, uh, they, they know the industry when you, when these things come out in the light, there's always a, we knew this person was that way. Um, there was, you know, a top sci-fi editor at one of the big publishers that got in trouble for harassing a woman at a convention and everybody came out and said they knew he had, he did that to many people. It had been ongoing. So, you know, there's a, a little bit of a, well, you know, that boys will be boys, I guess, is is the the mindset. And that's sort of from the club. So, you know, the I think the question really then is how do you how do you go to a convention and feel safe? And what do you do if you have a problem? Um, and uh, what can you do if you're a guy and you see a problem happening? Well, yeah. another side of that, too, is when people build up to a certain level. I worked with a guy that was a nice guy, uh, but had a reputation for being a horn dog and would say very inappropriate things in front of entire crews worth of people. But he was always known as that guy. And so it was always like everyone just was like, oh, well, that's just him, you know. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like the things he's saying and people are like. That would get you fired anywhere else. But it was like a slow progression. And then the guy was just saying whatever he wanted to whoever he wanted. We had a, a manager that went and, and, and got her, uh, her chest augmented. And, oh, my gosh, the things he would say to her were just like, dude, like you would want to disappear from the room. Like I want nothing to do with what you are doing right now because I like my job. And the guy never got nothing like no reprimands or anything like everybody was just like oh it's just so and so he's just being silly and you know it kind of makes you wonder like you know in the same regard like how when when people get older and they start to have alzheimer's or, or alcoholics how everyone goes into like that sense of denial like oh this isn't really happening or that guy's just a jerk you know and and i mean and that aspect of human nature can go either way but at these conventions you're dealing with places where they're typically mostly men so you know you are going to have that male on female you know kind of conflict there but i mean i've gone to places where i come across people that i, I refer to as my uncle don uh my uncle don for all intents and purposes is a dick and he's just one of those type of guys that just gets a thrill out of being the dick to you like if if you know you could say something that that Oh, uh, I don't think, you know, you know, like if he ever hears that, he, I don't think, you know, either, you know, just one of those type of guys that are always coming down on you. And yet, you know, he, it was always okay for my uncle Don to do those kind of things. But I still remember, you know, one time I, I had one of those, you know, quick little <laughs> what jokes. And, you know, I, I tried getting him with it so bad. I, I mean, we were at Thanksgiving table and I, and I had it. He's like, what? And I'm like, ha ha ha. He's like, no, 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 no. What did you say? Say that again for everyone. Totally put me on the spot. And so of course, you know. I said the joke again where everyone could hear it, but because it was me saying it, not him, it was totally not cool. But if he would have done the same joke at the same table, it would have been okay because Uncle Don's a dick. Well, it kind of makes me think of, you know, just that's making an excuse for that type of behavior or the boys club yeah. allows them to excuse a behavior that shouldn't be excused. Um, what stands out about the Woods situation, uh, just to use him as a specific example, 
Um, this is a guy who is what, what made this somewhat shocking when the revelations of things like this or the accusations, I guess, um, came out. These allegations, it shocked a lot of people because he is sort of known for in his writing having very strong female characters. I mean, he's the guy who uh, writes the tales of that first all-female X-Men team, for instance. Um, in the Star Wars Volume 2 comics, he's portraying Leia as uh, in the strong leadership role, to a degree at least. Um, it just sort of seems as though there's a tendency to, to almost say, well, see, in his writing, this professional stuff, he shows great respect for women, so... Surely he's not really in his head the way he's acting. It makes me wonder if, if this was someone like a Joss Whedon, you know, the creator of Buffy and Dollhouse, et cetera, et cetera, with all kinds of strong female characters under his uh, uh, banner, so to speak, through his uh, writing over the years, whether someone like that gets even greater of a pass than someone else would. If at some point there's sort of this, this sense um, that somehow come-ons and professionalized stuff that, well, that's just the way guys are, but since he does this other stuff, well, we know that, you know, he's not really like that, or hey, he's just being a guy. And it seems like that's, it gets the same thing. It's it's putting, you know, blinders on to a problem. And if you don't recognize, it's the old thing about, you know, if you can't, the first step to solving a problem is to recognize that it exists. And it seems like in a lot of ways, there are so many excuses for guys who pull this kind of crap that getting people to acknowledge it is difficult enough even before you can then do anything about it, which begs the question of whether or not these conventions, these companies, um, if, if any organization needs great, stronger policies about this, or if perhaps laws against this sort of thing need to be made more stringent and more across the board so that they can be applied in any case. Like if I'm at a, or if I'm at a convention and I find that my wife's been harassed by someone and the convention won't do anything about it, screw it, we don't need the convention to do anything because we could simply bring in regular law enforcement type of, of situations, to bring in organizations outside of that so that, no, Dark Horse, you don't get to decide. No, Marvel, you don't get to decide. No, Dragon Con, no Con Carolinas, no Celebration. You don't get to decide what sexual harassment or not and whether you pursue it or not because there's a legal standard that's been met and we're going to wind up bringing in outside authorities who actually know what the hell they're doing, hopefully, in situations like this. I mean, is this something that should be taken out of the hands of those who are more likely to cover it up or ignore it and put into more of a you know a, a criminal situation, whether I mean, and treat this the same way as if we're talking about someone who's carrying around drugs within a convention, um, who is uh, assaulting someone in terms of beating them up in a convention. At what point does this become a problem that's too big for those organizations to handle? So we need to take it out of their hands. Um, I think it should always be taken out of their hands, no matter what. If a female or a male or a child or anybody is assaulted, especially mm -hmm. if it was a child, it would immediately go to law enforcement. I think it's okay for a convention to have policies or whatever so that people can see them. But, I mean, how often does somebody actually read the policies of a convention? Mm -hmm. I mean, let's get down to brass tacks. And actually, how many of the people that put on these conventions, Trisha, you might know this better than me, have women that are a part of actually putting on the conventions. I know we have a friend, don't we, that um, through the internet, Trisha, that actually does conventions now? Yes. Yeah, we do, don't we? And so, you know, I mean, you need to have a diverse people that, you know, group of people that puts on the convention. 
but it should never just be handled in-house. And I could tell you right now, if something ever happened to me, I would not go to the convention people. You can bet your bottom dollar that I would have a, some sort of, you know, police enforcement or whoever I needed to right there in a New York minute. Well, the, I know that the, the convention, uh, New York Comic Con, the harassment that happened there, um, a couple of nice things happened. One, instead of being ashamed, the, the, which they shouldn't be, the, the women who were harassed by the, quote, news crew that was there on a major, new, you know, show's um, media pass, um, they took it to Tumblr and then it went to Twitter and they said, hey, this is what happened. We were harassed and um, it turned out they weren't the only ones. And the, fan- and the fandom really said, okay, wait a minute, this isn't right. They managed to identify the the men in question, and they've been banned from New York Comic Con. And that should be one. Nice. There should the the convention should take that step, um, and they've been taking that step more and more. Um, John Scalzi, who's a prominent sci fi writer um, and blogger, and he was the head of the Sci Fi um, Writers Association. Um, he said that he would not go to a convention that did not have a harassment policy that was placed um, up and prominent, he wouldn't support them. He just wouldn't go to them. So there's another way that you can support them. And obviously, I think anything that's, you know, that involves an assault is out of the convention's hands. But um, as far as, you know, places where people are, you don't have to touch somebody to make them uncomfortable. And, um, And so those type of situations where you see people you know, um, harassing, um, the women at New York Comic Con, they were just getting asked mean, uh, pretty much sexist, rude comments about their cosplay and why they did it and, and then being filmed. And it was, um, you know, very awkward, uncomfortable situation. And when those type of things happen, it, you know, if you see it happen, if you see a young woman that, or you know even there this could happen to young men too or anybody in a situation you know just step in and say it doesn't hurt to say are you okay do you need help um nowadays people have phones pick up your phone and take a picture of what's happening in case later on you know that person leaves and they're like man they were you know they were totally harassing me you have a here's a picture of the person mm-hmm. um you know there's different things levels that you can do um it's hard. Every situation is hard. A lot of professionals have now said that they will cr- that their tables will be safe zones. So like at San Diego Comic-Con, New nice. York Comic-Con, they have lists and they say, if at, at, at my table, if you feel like you're being harassed, you come to my table. And if I'm not there, the person at my table will act as me and we you can stay here until the security comes. So people That's are awesome. d- doing a lot more things, you know, you have. I, you have to be not, I mean, aware, obviously, not just conventions, but also um, message boards too, that, you know, that you just, you do have to be aware that some people don't treat other people correctly. And that's about being a human being. That's not even just harassing people, but it happens a lot to women at conventions um, as far as more than it does to men, making them feel uncomfortable. But, you know, you have to, especially as a parent this is you know for you mark if you know worried about your kids you have to go in with awareness you know over the years being on the message boards um 
at one one point, a friend and I contacted the Texas police because we felt like they're they're one of an, a male user on the message boards was influencing one of the you know young women. She was posting that she was going to go to his fly to his country, and he was uh. giving her a ticket. And we're like, wait, wait, this doesn't sound right, you know. And <laughs> so you know, we contacted the state authorities and said, listen, you know, they have, you know, there are ways to protect people, and at the convention. I don't think the conventions train their staff well enough on the issue. That's one problem. But at the same time, if you go to a staff, if you go to a staff member, if you see something questionable, at least you're doing something as opposed to just pretending it isn't happening. So, you know, sometimes some people don't want it or don't want to step up and get into the middle of something. But at the same time, you can say, well, I think that might be a little bit of an unsafe situation. But for with all that said at stores convention, I've been to three and I've been to tons of Star Wars weekends and Teresa's been to. I've never, I've always felt safe. I think Star Wars fans are generally the most awesome people in the world and, and friendly. And so, you know, you just, you just go in and, and always go, you know, with your kids, you want to be with them until a certain age, um, until you feel they're comfortable being alone. And in those settings, just, you know, use the same judgment you would use at like an amusement park. Well, that's yeah. where I was going to go with it because, you know, predators out there, they, they're just like any kind of pack animal. They're going to go for the, the young, the weak. And in this case, the weak are the uninformed, you know, those that are naive to, to the rules and the, those kind of things. Uh, we went up to Portland one time for an anniversary and brought our kids along with us. And I mean, you know, this kind of abuse happens so fast that, you know, we were in Barnes and Nobles. I ran over to the to uh, a, a section to to look at the books. My daughter was in the kids' book section. I could see where she was at, uh, and literally not even twenty seconds in the time I was gone, a strange man walked up to her and put his hand on her leg oh. while she was sitting there reading yeah. a book. And I mean, me and my wife were just ready to just rip somebody apart and the guy bailed uh it was at a barnes and nobles and they pulled up the camera footage and they i mean we waited for the cops we were in a, in portland you know totally at the other end of the state and i wanted to throw up my daughter didn't know what she did wrong she thought she had done something wrong and it was like you didn't do anything you know mm-hmm. like i did something wrong i walked away from you and i felt so terrible and i was so worried that that was going to scar her but she, I mean, she, it was it was so quick and fast, and and like he didn't like squeeze her or anything. He just put his hand on her. Thank God. But you know, I was just so worried that that was going to scar her. And I think like the, the the biggest thing that scarred her was was my wife's panic. You know, because my wife was just like, you know, what else could have happened? And is that all he did? Is that all he did? You tell me the truth. You know, and because of the parent fear that comes along there. But literally, it was like twenty seconds. I walked away. I could still see the top of her head, and. You know, predators out there. A predator is going to be somewhere. You, you, you're never going to be able to eliminate every predator because predators. It's an aspect of them. You know, like not all <laughs> predators run as a predator all the time. I mean, sometimes, like you know, it's like alcohol. They've got to get their it in their system, and sometimes it just takes some poor bastard to, you know, get his adrenaline going. And next thing you know, he's making his stupid ass move. And and you know, you're right. I watched a video on bullying and these guys uh, were videoing people just to see the reactions. I mean, the guy that was bullying the other guy, they were actors. And the saddest thing was how many people just turned and walked away. And, you know, I mean, that that's what, what got me with that whole Barnes and Noble experience when my daughter was touched was 
the people around there, they immediately locked down. And I mean, it was like a total protective field of pe- people and other parents. They were all there focusing on, on me and my wife and my kid, you know, making sure that my kid was okay, making sure that we were okay, making sure we felt safe. And, and we didn't, but it was nice to know that those people were there helping that feeling because I, the only thing I can imagine is being in a place like that by yourself and being in that situation. I mean, luckily we had other people there that, that helped us through it, but I, I mean, I'm still traumatized from it. I think a lot of people are afraid of, um, of confrontation and they're afraid of getting involved with something that doesn't directly affect them. But you know, if the tables were turned and they were being the one that was in the situation, they would want people to come to their aid. And I think that's something that's really unfortunate, you know, so it takes people that, you know, are just brave souls that are willing to stand up for people they may or may not know and are willing to do what's right. And, you know, I think that's one thing that I've found in the Star Wars community is that you know, when I've been to Star Wars weekends or, um, you know, fan days or whatever it may be, I've always felt safe because I know that those people in that place with me, if something were to happen, there are plenty of people that would come, you know, to my aid, whether it be emotional support just to see if I'm okay or, you know, something greater. Um, you know, but Mark, you have a good point, and Trisha, you brought up one too about you know just treating it kind of like you're in an amusement park. Um, the sad thing is, is this stuff happens in amusement parks too. You know, and like not to freak anybody out, but there's a story if you can find it. If I can find a link, I'll send it to you of a little girl that was um, taken in the theme park by a couple. Um, taken into a bathroom, had her hair cut off, had her hair dyed in the bathroom at Walt Disney Whoa. World in Magic Kingdom. And um, the parents went rushing around. They were able to, to get to Disney. And Disney has all kinds of cool stuff behind the scenes where they can you know, pull up every single camera. There's cameras everywhere. They can send out word through the cast members to lock down the gates and stuff. you know, And they know what they're looking for. And they were able to find it on the camera of when she was taken and pinpoint the people. And they were caught at the gate as they were trying to take the kid out. Oh, thank um, God. Yeah, so they were caught, but it's just that stuff like this happens, and I know we're talking about, like, women and, you know, your daughter and taking your kids and stuff, but it can happen to anybody, and the biggest lesson that I have learned is that if you see something happening and it could potentially be a dangerous situation for another person, do not be afraid to go over there and just your presence could help stop it. You know, I could walk up to maybe another girl that looks like she's being harassed, you know, and pretend like I know her, you know, and say, can I help you, you know, and have my phone out with my camera app up, you know, and it's just that small little bit of fear that you can put into someone, you know, it can help stop a potentially really bad, dangerous situation. Absolutely. Oh, man. You know, a lot of us say... Those of us especially who have been Star Wars fans since we were little, little kids, you know, the uh, the generation of 30-somethings and such now, um, talk about how seeing the films helped give us a sense of the concept of right and wrong, the concept that you have to make a choice, do the right thing, do the wrong thing, um, light side or dark side, uh, and, and it's the, sort of this idea of what it means to be, in a sense, uh, a hero, which is something that seems a lot of times is sort of lost in the world around us and such. Um, because it is 
and oftentimes sort of a darker place in the nooks and crannies than what we get with, you know, uh, the Star Wars sci-fi saga and all. You know, there's a reason why Law & Order SVU is still around and the other ones are gone. Because it taps into that darker side of, of the human psyche. And because, unfortunately, <laughs> these are the types of things that happen frequently. Um, these are, are real situations. You know, there's a reason why Chris Hansen of Dude on NBC is able to get some idiot to show up at a house for a nine-year-old girl over and over and over and over again. And yet still, even after that's been aired for years, people still get caught and show up. Because this type of thing is out there. So if you're a guy... Uh, yes, if you're a woman, just be careful when you go to a convention. If you're a kid, be careful when you go to a convention. But if you're a guy and you're going to a convention, you do have sort of a responsibility. If you really are going to live up to the ideals of the saga that you proclaim is your big fandom, then you need to be willing to act. You need to be willing to step in if you see something that's inappropriate, if you think something might be inappropriate, if you, you, know, if you sense essentially that something is wrong and someone may be targeted, may be in trouble... You should not be willing to turn away. You shouldn't be like the case in New York years ago where the woman was screaming as she was dying and all the neighbors figured, oh, well, somebody else will do something about it. I don't need to call the police. Uh, you need to be someone who's willing to step up. And yeah, you might want to say, well, I'm just a convention goer. It's not my business. Or, hey, you know, uh, I'm a guy. If I try to step in there, you know, people are going to think that I'm a scuzzy guy, too, just like the guys who are doing this. Um, don't think of yourself as a guy who's part of just... You know, the male gender where here's these people of the male gender doing something so you'll be lumped together. Think of yourself as an infiltrator, okay? If you're a good guy okay, and there's a lot of scuzzy guys around, that doesn't mean necessarily that you don't belong at the convention. It doesn't mean that, well, you're outnumbered, you shouldn't do anything. You're essentially the, the spy in the ranks. If you see something that's going on that guys are doing that shouldn't be being done, you have a responsibility to step up and do something about it. Um, even if it is something that non-confrontational, you know, say it to someone who's in authority and then walk away and let, once you know that they're actually going to step up and do something about it. Um, they'll see something, say something, as they say in New York. But either way, uh, you can't turn a blind eye to this sort of thing because that's what allowed this to, to propagate over the years. Uh, when we talk about this being a so-called norm oftentimes in conventions and in the comic industry, there's a reason why it was able to become this so-called norm, because a blind eye was turned to it for so long that it simply became the way things are. And now we're having to go back, toss in the chlorine, and clean out the muck. Um, you're part of that. You know, be the chlorine, don't be the muck. Or, uh, you know, be the Jedi, not the Sith in the situation. Or, you know, the regular citizen of the galaxy turning a blind eye to either side of the situation. Be well, the if you hero. gotta be Sith, make sure that you know the guy is actually committing a crime before you beat him down. <laughs> <laughs> be Han Solo at the end of A New Hope. There you go. <laughs> Trisha, any final thoughts from you before we wrap up? No, just be to be educated. And my best recommendation is go to conventions with people you know. And that numbers, there's always strength in numbers. So, um and that's my my best recommendation. Well, I definitely have learned that celebrations are going to be a fun and happy place. I mean, I guess there's a reason they call Disneyland itself the happiest place on earth. And there's probably a reason why they're putting it right by it. Uh, you know, cons, I still haven't gone to any. I still will be a little trepidatious when I bring my family down there. I like to take my family to, to events that I do because 
you know, I get a kick out of this kind of stuff and I want my kids to enjoy it the way I enjoy it. So, you know, bringing them along with me has always been a no brainer, but you know, the fear of what could happen to them is always real. So, you know, I feel better knowing that, you know, going to celebration, I have less to worry about. And I don't think I'm going to be going to, uh, a, a, uh, what's it called, Nathan? Dragon Drag- Con? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dragon I go, to, I go to Dragon Con. So, um, and I'm fine. But again, I'm very self-aware, so just so you know. Wait, how late are you at a Dragon Con? I don't think I want to be there after hours. I think the seven o'clock uh, lock myself in the room you know, might be. De- okay. I think it depends on who you're with. I think it depends uh, on if you've got your family with you or not. So if I stick with the Blantons, I'm okay. All right, okay. Yeah, they'll they'll keep you on the straight and narrow. <laughs> nice, and that's I guess what it comes down to, fans. You know, surround yourself with like-minded individuals that are focused on the light, and you'll be good to go. All right, before we go, folks, don't forget we still have our contests going. As we hit our 100th episode, we launched a series of contests. We've already given away a hardback copy of X-Wing Mercy Kill, of Crucible. We've given away a signed copy of my book, Greater Good, a signed copy of uh, both versions of Wars the Battle of Phobos preludes that we put out there. Uh, We actually have other contests still going on. One of those probably ending the day that you're hearing this. January 24th is the last day to put in your entry uh, to possibly win a copy of Star Wars Scoundrels in hardback uh, by sending your mailing address in the body of an email with Scoundrels as the subject line. Uh, that is getting it in by, of course, midnight uh, Eastern, the evening when the 24th ends. So I guess it's technically 12 a.m. January 25th. Uh, we do still have a contest to win a uh, Star Wars Tales number 21 equals and opposites comic pack, the one with my story in it, signed. Uh, you can enter to win that. It's equals and opposites in the subject line, uh, but it's equals and opposites one, excuse me, in the subject line with, of course, your mailing address in the body. Get that in by January 31st. You can enter to win a hardback copy of Into the Void, Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void. Same kind of thing, subject line Into the Void. Get that in by February 7th. Uh, another signed copy of Greater Good. Get that in. Greater Good 2, you want to put in the subject line. That needs to come in by February 14th. Now we are on our very last giveaway as part of this long series of giveaways for our 100th episode. Um, one of the ones that are ending, in fact, the very next one that will end, uh, the winner of which you'll hear in a couple of weeks, is that Eagles and Opposites comic pack. When I wound up writing for Star Wars Tales and getting the chance to have that story turned into a comic pack, it was really, really hard to actually find them. I finally got my hands on quite a few of them. Uh, at this point, I'm basically down to the ones that I'm hanging on to for myself and such, and then I had a handful set back for future contests and whatnot. And we're down to the last one set aside for the, this contest. So unless you were to get one and send it for me to sign or something, this is the last opportunity you'll have to get yourself a signed Equals and Opposites comic pack. Um, so the way to enter here, it's the Equals and Opposites comic pack, but notice we're already giving away one. We are giving away a second one right now. Uh, that second one, you want to send subject line Equals and Opposites to and have uh, in the body of the email, of course, your mailing address, your name and mailing address. The email address to send that entry or any of the others to is swbeyondfilms at starwarsfanworks.com. The deadline to enter in to win that second Equals and Opposites comic pack, the last one that I've got, uh, and whoever wins, I can sign it on the bubble, I'll sign it on the comic, whichever it is you like. We'll set it up uh, after the winner actually is notified about winning the contest. You must get that entry in by February 21st. Okay, so February 21st, this one will end, and that'll be the last of our contest run 
that we've been doing here for a while. So good luck, everybody. Uh, hopefully you got a chance to enter. If not, take the time now. That's right, Whistler. Okay. That about wraps up this episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. We'd like to thank you once again for hanging around with us as we ponder on sharing our fandom. A huge thank you to our fellow rogues, Teresa, Trisha, fangirls, going rogue. Ladies, any contact information you'd like to share with the Beyonders? Um, you, well, you can find Fangirls Going Rogue on Twitter. It's at FGGoingRogue. If you want to send us an email, it's FangirlsGoingRogue at gmail.com. And then um, we are pretty active on Facebook. It's Facebook.com slash FangirlsGoingRogue. And then my Twitter is at IceColdPenguin. And my Twitter is at FangirlCantina. Ladies, thank you once again. And, uh, thank, you. thank you. Good luck with the uh, podcast. And we're enjoying I, I love the name, by the way, because I... I you know, I, I also relate to rogues. I live in the Rogue Valley off Rogue River. <laughs> the Rogue Forest. I'm all about it. <laughs> all right. Thanks for having us so much. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah thanks cool. for coming on. Have fun with Shamu. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Get a lot of pictures. Now, remember, you can always listen to our episodes streaming online at the Star Wars Report website, www.starwarsreport.com. All our second Airborne episodes are also available on Zoom, Stitcher, and on iTunes, which we encourage you to leave us a review while you're at it. You can also find links to our episodes on both Twitter and our own Facebook page, at SWBeyondFilms, or just type in Star Wars Beyond the Films in the search bar. Hey, but no matter how you get there, be sure to like our page. It's one of the best ways to interact with us, our own home one, if you will. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans. So if you have any Star Wars and or EU questions, or you just want to comment about a past episode, fire off. You can email us directly at SWBeyondFilms at StarWarsFanWorks.com. And of course, if you want to check out that Amazon.com shop that my wife and I run, it's at Amazon.com slash shops slash Lil Joe, L-I-L-J-O collectibles, all as one word. Uh, not really anything to say yet as far as the medical situation goes. Um, people are still donating, uh, sending PayPal to Nathan at StarWarsFanWorks.com, which has been incredible. This community has been great uh, at stepping in and trying to help us out in this time. She uh, just went in for a big round of tests and then the next day went in for yet another test, a CT scan and such. We're still awaiting word on the results. Does she have cancer again? Does she not? What exactly is it that's going on? Uh, what's up with the cysts? You know, are they finally gone? All that kind of stuff. Uh, and just that process of those tests have wiped out most everything of what we had managed to save up to that point towards those other medical bills, which are now sitting at about 15000 Right now, we're looking at the possibility of her setting up one of those GoFundMe.com type of setups uh, to help, uh, you know, kind of communicate and network through her friends and the boxing community, people that she knows, to, to finally be able to pull together some of those resources. But uh, every little bit helps if you want to help out. Uh, and if nothing else, you know, your support just kind of in your thoughts and, and prayers and stuff would be helpful, because at this point... It's really just kind of a big question mark hanging over everything, just wondering what exactly it is that's going on. We're crossing our fingers. It's not cancer again, but there's no way to know until we get some results coming in. So thanks for the support, and uh, I'll try to keep everybody informed through the Facebook pages and such. May the force be with you, butlers. That's a very scary place you're in, my friend. Now, lastly, before we go, we wanted to mention to you our Audible trial. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash Star Wars Report, you get a free trial run of audible.com to see what they're all about. Our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles. You can explore the Star Wars EU, 
or any other genre out there without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate because Audible members, they can exchange any book within 12 months. That's one whole year with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So, once again, for Star Wars Beyond the Films, this has been Mark and Whistler. And Nathan. Saying thanks for listening and may the Force be with you. And don't quote us the odds that all this chauvinism and piggishness in sci-fi fandom will be dealt with by the time your kids are the adults with kids to take to conventions, Mark. Hmm. What are the odds that I'm going to go to Dragon Con sometime soon? So, yeah, if you wanted to bail out, Teresa, you can. Oh, yeah, my I show can't. notes decided Sorry to roll up my... to the top. Sorry about my... my... I don't know what happened. Yeah, it's all... it's my fault. That... Yeah, so the fact that Mark didn't drop off the call repeatedly is pretty impressive, so it had yeah. to be somewhere. Yeah, exactly. The glitch has gone into your computer. It, it'll As soon as you drop the call, it'll kick back and hit me fivefold, <laughs> but... <laughs> Now remember, you can always listen to episodes of our of our bar 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 bar. I don't know why I just totally did that.